Recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Sarah Toscani building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Deadly Blessing. <laughs> well, hey everybody, welcome back to the old podcast. Hey Phyllis. Hey Rob. Tonight we're going to be talking about one of Wes Craven's early films, A Deadly Blessing. Not to be confused with Deadly Friend, but Deadly Blessing. Deadly Blessing. Yeah. Not his earliest film. No. But one of his eh, first three or four, third or fourth films, something like that. Not sure it was his deadliest film. <laughs> no, not, indeed it was not. And I'm not sure it was a blessing. Uh, after watching it, I can truly say that too, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, we watched it, and we're going to talk about yeah, it. It, was, it wasn't awful. It was pretty enjoyable. It was a little slow, kind of a slow burn. It was a very odd film. Yes, definitely uh, odd. In a way, it felt like three different films, three different plots put together and trying to make it one story yeah. out of it. Yeah, it felt you like know? a it felt like a straight up slasher. It felt like a supernatural well, kind of they, demony one. Well, it didn't really feel like that. They well, tried to make it that okay. at the end. Yes, I, I stand corrected. It didn't feel like it exactly, yeah. but they were trying to put the stories together with that. So, so supernatural demon type thing, slasher film, and what's the third one? Cult. Oh, okay. Maybe. Gotcha. Cult yeah, film, I kind of, I kind of put that together with the, not a cult film, thing. but a film with about a cult. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah it weird. was a little. I mean, it it was disjointed, but it wasn't disjointed. It had this one main storyline going on, and then it was like they were trying to put these other storylines on top of it and with it that just kind of you could have taken those bits out, and it would wouldn't have affected the story at all. Yeah, it would have made a very short movie, but it wouldn't. <laughs> well, they could have fleshed out the other bits a little more, you know. They could have, but they didn't. So basically, well, first let's talk about the cast before we get into the plot. Okay. Okay, because it had a pretty decent cast. Yes. So it was it was obviously directed by Wes Craven. Wes Craven, yeah. He and, I don't know the other two names, but it was him and two other people did the screenplay. Yeah. Uh, James Horner did the music. Right. Which James Horner, we know from uh, Wrath of Khan, mm -hmm. Search for Spock, Aliens. Commando, Willow, Braveheart, for God's sake, mm -hmm. and Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done Battle Beyond the Stars yet, have we? I don't think so. We did Star Crash. Right. We should do Battle Beyond the Stars sometime. Okay. We'll That'll put it fun. on the list. And then the, the cast, though, the, the actors, Marin Jensen mm -hmm. from Battlestar Galactica. Right. Uh, Sharon Stone from Everything... <laughs> Sharon know. Stone from Sharon Stone. Yeah. Uh, Susan Buckner, who most notably, she was Patty Simcox in Greece. Oh, right. <laughs> you know. Uh, Jeff East, who was young Clark Kent in Superman the movie. Mm -hmm. Douglas Barr from Fall Guy. Lisa Hartman from everything. Michael Berriman from Hills Have Eyes and right. everything else. Which I did not see his name in the credits, though. I'm sure they were there and I just missed them. Yeah. Because I was surprised when I saw his face. I was like, hey. Lawrence has a Montaigne. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm not sure. He was in that Star Trek episode. I was at a muck time. Oh, right. Yeah. He time. was Stan. Right. And Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine. Borgnine. The cult of Borgnine. A yes. Academy Award winner, Ernest Borgnine. Indeed. Was he Academy Award winner already? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Marty, I think. Oh, okay. But he actually got a Razzie for this for being 
the worst actor in a movie. That he, oh my god! But it's not. He's he's fine in it. I didn't think he was bad. Oh, I what, mean, his character yeah. was crazy, but his his acting was fun. Yeah. Another thing. This had a, a narrator at a beginning piece and at the end. And the end, yeah. Uh, that was Percy Rodriguez. Who's that? Tall black actor. He was uh, a lot of t- one-offs on TV. He's done some narrated stuff too. He he did the Sanford and Son. He he did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. But he was the uncredited voice of the Lochnar in Heavy Metal. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's the kind of guy. If you saw him, you'd go, "Oh, that guy." That you know? guy. Yeah. And let's see. That, that that's about all the cast. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. So it had a pretty you know decent cast of folks. Yeah, yeah. Who'd been in a lot of other stuff. Or would then or go would on go on to, to be do. yeah would go on to be in a lot of this. This was Sharon Stone's, I think, first feature or first star you know as a player starring okay. player you know yeah it's funny because i'm sure everybody who's a fan of sharon stone would know she just looks so different when she's baby sharon stone oh yeah than she does later yeah. you know i'd like a, a recognizable but almost not you know but anyway doesn't matter and i should have looked this up i don't know why but this was like her first big movie mm-hmm. this was uh I think Marin Jensen and Susan Buckner's last work. Oh, really? Yeah, they just retired or stopped, Decide got out of the movie business. Done? Yeah, huh. interesting. Not because of this film, man. It's not that bad. <laughs> uh, the plot, the plot of this thing, pretty basic. Uh, this husband and wife have a farm out in, well, up north somewhere, probably Pennsylvania area, kind of something like that. Yeah, they make it. They make it seem like it's Amish North country. Amish country somewhere. Yeah. And we'll get to um, that in a minute. Yeah, and the, as soon as you open the cra- or as soon as you open the movie, you're watching these people in the fields plowing away, and it's obviously not technologically based. They're all doing it with you know a hoe, yeah. and they look like they're Amish, but they they're not. do. They do look Amish, but they're not Amish. They're Hittites. Yeah, which was actually we we looked this up to see what that was, and what it is, and what it is in this movie are two different things. Apparently, they just made it up for this movie. The research I couldn't find where they took that name from the other. Thing. Yeah, I couldn't see how it was really related. I mean, I didn't delve deeply into the research, but from what I could find, the Hittites were before Jesus was born. This group of people was around. Um, they were Anatolians, and it didn't seem like they were a religious sect so much as it was just yeah. like where they were from. Okay. So I don't know what that had to do with the group of people, but anyway, whatever. Well, they should have just called them Borgnites. They should have. That would have been amazing. Ernest Borgnine's our leader. Yes, he... No, what was his name? Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah yeah. was the leader. But anyway, yeah, so they are... Uh... So anyway, it opens up on this... Uh, I think it's a couple. They have this farm. Uh, Douglas Barr is driving a tractor. And he comes across... Or then it switches to Lisa Hartman. Mm-hmm. Young baby Lisa Hartman. Out in this field painting just the scenery. And Michael Berryman comes up on her. And he's in the Amish garb. Or the Hittite garb, the Borgnite garb, <laughs> and yelling Incubus and calling her the devil and all this stuff and breaks her painting and throws it. And then he's chasing her around and Douglas Barr comes up on the tractor and he pretty much chases Borg, uh, the Borgnine, the Borgnite. Uh, <laughs> he chases Berryman off. Yeah. And the young girl is like starry eyed over Douglas Barr and thanks him and runs off to her mom yeah well then her mother comes up and, oh no her and mom comes up him. that's right yeah. thanks him because he ran the bearman off and they go away douglas Barr goes back to the house to Marin jensen yes and we kind of get the you know they're a married couple they're living there working the farm yeah and you find out that he is 
is actually the son of Isaiah, yeah, the he, eldest son of Isaiah. He left the religion, the community, to go to school. And he's the first and only to ever do so. And, and he then, came back yeah. with a wife, and they shunned threw him. him out of the Yeah, they the shunned him yeah. and told him, you know. They shunned the non-believer. Shunned the non-believer. That's right. Shunned. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he. Uh, oh, we find out that she's pregnant. Yes. And it's not due till the spring. Right. So that's... She must, like, just be pregnant because yeah. she doesn't look at it at all. They go to bed. He wakes up. Here's something. In the barn. In the barn. Goes out to the barn to see what's... And the tractor's running or something's running. Yeah. He cuts it off and he gets in front of the tractor for some reason. And the tractor starts back up and rams into him. Yep. Runs into him. Uh -huh. Kills him. Wife wakes up. Now, at this point, <laughs> I don't think we see anybody. We don't see anybody. So we don't know if it's... If it's supernatural or if a person did it well so at this point because we don't see anybody there's clearly nobody on the tractor there's nobody around that mm -hmm. i can see i'm thinking it's a supernatural thing yeah so anyway the wife wakes up and she's confused why she's in bed alone she gets up and for some reason i don't know why she goes out to the barn oh well, well actually he did say earlier in the evening that he was going to replace the bear the ball bearings ah. in the wheel it's later that night, and he didn't go do it. So okay. maybe she thought that's what he was doing. Maybe you know? so. So she goes out to the barn, and she finds him, and he's dead. And, of course, now she's a widow. Well, we cut to the funeral. And, of course, there's nobody there but the neighbor and her. Mm -hmm. And up on the hill are the Borgnites. A few of the... <laughs> yes. And we, uh, I, th I think that's where we hear it's presented to us, the, the audience, that he was related to them. Yeah. The, the we don't funeral, know until now. Yeah, the caretaker guy there says, that's that's strange. They only do that when it's one of their own that we're burying. Yeah. Yeah, so then you, you figure it out. So well, no, she, she says it, yeah. Anyway, so the neighbor takes Marion Jensen back home. Then we cut to Susan Buckner and Sharon Stone. Driving into town. Yeah, to coming to visit because apparently they're old friends from college or, or way back. And right. they're coming to console her mm -hmm. and spend some time with her. Catch up to her, and they're at the house, and then we get, what is, it, is the next kill is Barriman, isn't it? Barriman, yeah. the One of the children, Barriman is a, a man-child in this movie. Yeah. And one of the actual children dares him to go into the forbidden barn, because that's where the incubus lives, according yeah. to the Borgnites, as you've dubbed them. Well, that's what they are. They follow Borgnine. They're Borgnites. <laughs> and so everything over there is forbidden, not to mention that, of course, you know, the yeah. person there is. And anybody, shot. pretty much anybody that they don't like is an incubus. Yeah, that's what it seems like. <laughs> but it seems like it's all, all females, which well, should be succubus. Yeah, I don't know why they, yeah, I don't yeah. get it. Anyway. Anyhow, they're incubi. Incubi. Is that plural for incubus? <laughs> <laughs> so. He dares him to go in there. So he goes into the barn. Somebody hears something in the barn. They go out there. Long story short, they all run off. But the Behrman gets caught in. Behrman's character's name is William, by the way. Gets caught in the chicken coop. And he loses a shoe. And he escapes through like the little where the chickens like go outside. Yeah. And he loses a shoe in there. Later, you know, he's getting reamed by his father for losing a shoe because shoe are, shoes are expensive. So he's got to go back and get a shoe. On his way back to get the shoe, he stops to admire Martha, to admire Martha changing clothes. Getting ready to get in the tub, I think. No, no, she's just changing clothes at this point. Doesn't That's matter. later. And as he's standing there, googly eyes, 
somebody we, with a knife comes yeah. up behind him. Because at and this stabs point, him. we don't know if it's supernatural or maybe it's him. Well, right. They're trying to make you think it's him. Because he's peeping in the because window. Because he's, stuff. well, right. And he's been the one that's been kind of the agitator yeah. of everything so yeah. far. He's constantly causing trouble and calling people incubus. And so he's standing there and then gets a knife put through him. And yep. so, I mean, that was literally like, oh. Yeah. That was kind of a, a surprise. Yeah. Did not expect him to yeah. be killed. So, anyway, William is now dead. And his body is, gets dragged away. Well, but we don't really see it. We just see him kind yeah, of go yeah. out of frame. But it, it's not there the next it's morning. It's not under the window the next morning. So then, you know, the Hittites, William and Matthew, which is um, Stan, <laughs> show up. And they're looking for William's body, or not William's body, but looking for William because he hasn't come home. Isaiah and, Math- and Matthew. I'm sorry. Yes. Isaiah and Matthew yeah. are looking for William. He goes to ask his daughter-in-law actually but of course he doesn't want to say that goes to talk to her and she's very concerned and she says you know if i see him i'll i'll put him in the car and bring him over right away and of course matthew is very grateful and mork nine pulls him away and takes him back towards the carriage and would you accept help from this messenger of the incubus and he's like to get my son back, yes. And of course, now he's in trouble with Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> for for trying to take help from the incubus messenger or whatever. Anyway, so... So, so then we... we there's cu- clearly trouble. Yeah. We cut to... um, What are they in the... She's running the tractor now at this point? Yeah, I think so. Martha, Marin Jensen, and uh, Sharon Stone's with her. Sharon Stone is... Lana. Lana. Sharon Stone's Lana. Susan Buckner, Buckner's Vicky. Yeah. I think we actually skip. Well, we skip a lot of things, actually. Yeah, obviously. we're just going to go through. You're not going to give it but the highlights, every detail of the plot. Yeah, the highlights. One of the things that we did skip, and I won't go into it, is that Sharon Stone's character, Lana, had a, a terrible nightmare about a spider. Oh, yeah. Somebody, well, no, you have, we have to talk about that. And somebody calling her name, like holding her head right very close to her head and, and calling her name like death. a lover. Yeah, she thinks it's death. But this this is the this subplot layered on top that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, well, yeah, because now you're like, well, it's supernatural related. Yeah, again. you think but wait, this is, there was is, a slasher is part of the story, but it's really not. Yeah, it's very strange. The only part, the only thing this serves is, in a minute, well, she falls through some spider webs. There's lots of spiders in the barn. That's that's it, really. Yeah. But what goes on is they're plowing the field, and uh, bolt, bolt falls off the tractor. So, Marin Jensen says Sharon Stone back to the barn. She has to unlock the barn. Yeah, because she started locking it since yeah. somebody broke in. Yeah, to get a part for the tractor. So she goes in there and she's looking. It's dark in the barn. There's no lights in there. The door keeps closing by itself. Yeah, and then it slams shut and it locks somehow. Yeah, so now she's trapped in there. She's freaking out like she's claustrophobic or something. Yeah, it's weird. And, like there's, and there's spider webs everywhere. And by spider webs everywhere, I mean this place looks like Shalem's <laughs> lair. It is covered in spider webs. It's crazy. Spiders are unnecessary. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, she—I don't know if she hears a noise up up in the loft, but she decides to go up there, and it's like you're not going to get out up there. But she goes up there, and there's more spiders and more spider webs. Of course. And she finds a shoe. I did not see much of this because I can't watch the spiders. Yeah, she finds a shoe. She does find a shoe, and when she finds, she like picks up the shoe, and then. Then all of a sudden, something... black clad cloaked person. Yeah, you see hands in a black out. cloak from behind the hay. Yeah, jump up and, go, and she goes ah, and she falls down the the ladder. Yeah, down in the barn, and she gets up and 
the door's open now, right? Yeah, so, yeah, she gets up. She sees the door open, like a different door open. She goes towards the door, and as she does, William's body comes falling from the rafters as if he's hung himself or something. Yeah. And so, of course, she starts screaming and... Flash it forward. The cops are yeah. the sheriff's there, and he says, "Well, you, you know, you ladies probably be safer in town. You know, get out of here, blah blah." And she's like, "No, I'm staying." And I'm not leaving. Sharon Stone is completely freaked out at what she saw, like in shock almost. Yeah, she's like nearly catatonic. Um, Vicky had gone. Susan Buckner had gone into town. I think. No, no, she, oh, no went she went jogging. jogging. <laughs> she went jogging, and she meets Jeff East. Yes, and they have kind of a little talk a little meeting there because he's fascinated i guess by he's people the, from away yeah he's the younger son of isaiah yeah, which he would be doug Barr's brother brother right and he actually he's i don't know if he's fascinated by her if it's just because of the clothes or what but she you know obviously she's very pretty pretty and she's not wearing clothes head to toe like most of the women he's she's around not wearing a bra. yeah but anyway so he he just has a conversation with her like he seems to really enjoy talking to her and he sits off in the field and starts talking for a while so that's what they're doing while yeah. sharon's getting and loses track of time and was isaiah, isaiah shows and... up with the dude's actual cousin but also fiance his cousin fiance cousin fiance and chastises him and get back to work he won't even talk to turns his back on vicky he won't even talk to her yeah and, uh, yeah, she actually talks to him, and he just completely ignores her like she's not even there. Because she's the incubus. That's right. Anyway, so that goes on. I think Sharon Stone has another nightmare. Yeah. About the spider, and this this time a spider, like, drops right into her mouth. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's got the person, demon, devil, death. whatever, is holding her. She calls her, it death. Yeah, death is, is holding the sides of her head, and he says, open your mouth wider, wider, wider. <laughs> And she gets her mouth wide open like she's screaming. And this spider comes from the ceiling and falls into her mouth. I assume that's what happened. Rob told me. I didn't see. And actually, it was a real spider. And she would only agree to do that if they defanged the spider. Like, got rid of its teeth. I I I don't know how they got rid of little spider teeth. (laughs) I I want to feel sorry for that spider, but I can't. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Fear is... is, Phobias don't make any sense. They're not logical. I can't help it. I, I cannot stand spiders. I am not scared of many things, but spiders are one thing I can't stand. Every well, a lot of people have a fear of spiders like that, so uh, you know that's no big deal. Yeah, well, anyway. silly, but it's no big deal. I hate it. <laughs> it drives me crazy. I can't stand it. But anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, but she actually did that though. I mean, it was a real spider. Dra- it wasn't CGI. You know it wasn't. What? Of course, it wasn't CGI back then. I have tons of respect yeah. for her for doing that, but there's no way in hell it would have happened to me. Yeah. Now, anyhow, on the other hand, that was actually her. On the other hand. Marin Jensen, mm-hmm. when it you see her disrobing in that first scene, and then again a little later, I don't know if it's around this time or whatever, uh, or maybe a little later in the film, she disrobes and gets in the bathtub. She's just in a body double mm-hmm. whenever you see any nudity from her. Uh, I mean, it's obvious because you never see her never face. Never see her face. Her head's always turned away from, you know, and everything. Yeah. And I think... I, something I was reading, I'd have to go back and watch it. When she's in the tub and the bubbles all around her, you can see like a black bikini top oh, under yeah. the bubbles, sort of, yeah. yeah, if you look. Yeah. But anyway, that scene in the tub now is kind of important to Craven's career. Yeah, definitely. 
because uh, he recreates a scene almost shot for shot yeah. in Nightmare on Elm Street a few years later. Definitely. It's that camera angle, right? Looking up between her legs to her face. Yeah, and in going the back to the, bubbles. T- the suds and all. But instead of Freddy's glove coming up in the water, you see while it's Sharon Stone or Vicky, one of them or both of them are in the other room in the by the fire in the den. Somebody comes in a window or, no, or the they back just door. comes in the door. Yeah. Walks you right just in. see legs come in like black pants with a with a bag or a sack and sets it down in the bathroom. And of course it, it doesn't show it come out, but it's a snake. Yeah. And it, and get, then in a it minute, comes in the front of the tub. She's laying back with a washcloth over her face, relaxing in this soapy water, and a snake gets in the water. Yeah. It's kind of cool though, the way they shot because she feels something, she reaches down and and it's the bar of soap. And she gets a bar of soap and you're like, oh but you know the snake's in there. Yeah. But that was done well. Of course then she, you know, Gets out of the water without being bit. I don't know how she managed that. I mean, that snake was right up on her. But anyway, yeah, yeah she gets out without being bit, runs across the room to the fireplace. Gets one of the fire, the pokers, fire poker, runs back into the bathroom, beats slams the, shit the door, out of and snake. Beats the snake. <laughs> it was funny in a way, but yeah. yeah, she beat the shit out of that snake. And both of her friends are just looking at her like, with their mouths the hanging open like, what the hell's going on? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> and then t- the weirdest thing Sharon Stone's character Lana's just standing there I think she might be crying again at this point I can't remember and before Martha says anything about what happened she's catching her breath you know holding the fire poker up to her chest yeah and Lana just looks at her and says I'm going back to bed yeah <laughs> she turns around and goes back to bed <laughs> she never finds out yeah. what happened she just goes back to bed <laughs> So at, by this point, we're convinced it's not supernatural. Well, we've se- well, no, we're not we, really. Well, yeah, but it's lead, it's leading you more that it's a slasher, a yes. person purposefully doing this. Yes. Because we've seen somebody get stabbed. We've seen the guy jump up from behind the thing. Yeah. And, and we, we haven't seen who it is. brought though. in a snake. And we see somebody brought in a snake. So now you're, okay, it's not supernatural. That was a red herring. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's see. After this, where does it go? I can't remember exactly the order. It's a little slow in here yeah. after that. Things kind of... Well, there's one scene where they, Su- it's Susan Buckner so goes into town. Well, right. It's not so slow that I'm bored, but it's slow enough where I'm like, okay, I want to know what's going on, but yeah, let's you, get on you with need it to get bit. on with it now. But the story unfolds where Susan Buckner goes into town for something. She's at the general store and she and Jeff East make eyes again. Mm-hmm. And he's talking with his fiance Furt before that, basically saying he's horny. <laughs> And it's t- and it's hard to wait so long or no, something like that. No, he doesn't say that yet, but it, it doesn't matter what well, that's what he's, it, he, he alludes to. Oh, he says it afterwards. Okay, yeah. uh, but he goes over and while she's doing something, he goes over and talks to Susan Buckner, Vicky again, mm-hmm. and of course he's in, and she's kind of fascinated by this guy from For another some culture, reason. you know, yeah, yeah who's. So she asked him on a date to go to the movies. She's like, "Come to meet me at the movies, and no one will ever know." And of course, now the fiance. Melissa. Yeah. Well, she's like, you know, because he's saying somebody being stifled or needs to experience other things, something like that. I don't know. And Melissa sees them and runs out. So, of yeah. course, he immediately runs after her. And that's when he tells her, you know, it, it's so hard to wait. And then he starts kissing on her. I just want you. I don't want her. You're the only one for me. Yeah. And, and he um, starts kissing her and they go down to the ground and he's rolling around kissing her and and maul on her, and she and she's like, we away. can't do this yet, or something, yeah. and jumps up and runs away. Yeah. So then she gets back to town or to home. Anyway, I mean, Melissa does, uh-huh. and 
you know, Isaiah sees her and he's like, who did this to you? And she just runs off. And right after she gets there, and he Jeff East comes up. in and has her like bonnet or jacket with him. And yeah. And Isaiah says to the barn now. So he goes with his dad to the barn and he makes him get on his knees and prepare to be whipped, essentially. Yeah. Caned, actually. And he takes two hits from Isaiah with the cane. And then he jumps up and grabs the cane and he says no more. And Isaiah tells him to leave leave we're not your family anymore you know no one you won't let us beat the crap out of you you're no longer in the family that's right so he shuns (laughs) he shuns um young clark Clark kent yeah i cannot remember his name jeff east oh his character's name was uh (sighs) i wrote it down so i wouldn't forget john 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 hard name to remember yeah right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so he um he shuns john and kicks him out of the family and he says go to your Go to your whore, your incubus, or whatever it was. Now your demon whore. I can't remember what he calls her. And Jeff, he says, right on, pops. No. Yeah, so he takes <laughs> off. He actually goes to the theater, because that's where they were going to meet that night. And But he off. has ditched his his jacket and his his uh, Quaker Oats hat. Yeah. And so he looks like just a dude. Just he's, a dude. he's got a, a button-up shirt, a black vest, and black pants. So yeah. he doesn't look, doesn't look too out of place. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so she puts him in the car and she lets him start driving around. Like well, first a... she says, I'll take you back. Yeah. And she lets him drive around like a maniac because he's never driven a car before. And Not only his, he his nearly hits a tree. Roads in the I field. don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyhow, when they get stopped, then, you know, she starts putting the moves on him and kissing him and making out. And she hears something. And after a while, she's so distracted by whatever she keeps hearing. And he's like, it's just a raccoon or something. Well, he I'll, went, I'll he, go run it off. Yeah. He went out to... To see, and he didn't see anything, so he right. comes back so to the car. so he gets car. back in the car and starts making out again, and then somebody, it's a convertible. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait, before that, though. What? When they first stop yeah. in the car, uh, was it Melissa, his fiance? Yeah. Wakes up out of a dead sleep. Oh, yeah. She, like, had a vision of yeah. that he was with her or something. That's right. She's so like, she's John! Ma- mani- you know, maniac eyes, grabs a knife, and goes walking out into the night, and I'm like... Well, she's got like radar ESP. She knows exactly where they are. Yeah, she just walks out into the night. So yeah, so but anyway, she... so then uh, they're in the convertible, John and and Vicky with the with the rag top up with the rag top. Yeah, and uh, suddenly the the person, the black cloaked she... person, well, he's leaning down on top of her. Yeah, starts stabbing through the top. Yeah, and he, I don't know if he rolls on top of her to protect her or if he was just on top. I can't remember. Yeah. I wanted, uh, but he's getting stabbed in the back. Yeah, but he gets stabbed in the back multiple times. And um, then they start, the black clad person starts throwing gasoline, gasoline on the, the car. car. So Vicky starts the car and goes to leave. Yeah. And this is kind of a neat scene where there's gasoline and a trail of gasoline to the car from wherever the gasoline tank was. Or the gasoline yeah. can. And they light the And she starts the car can. and starts to drive away. Yeah. And once she gets the car going, then the, the gas or the fire is following the gasoline trail, obviously. Yeah. And eventually it gets to the car the and car lights gets the stuck back on fire. In the yeah. Mud. Yeah, it gets stuck, but it eventually lights it on fire. And she turns and sees that the trunk is on fire and she says something like, Oh my god. But she keeps going. She and doesn't stop and get out of the car. Get out of the damn car. No. And she had time. Yeah, she had plenty of time. But she didn't. She kept driving with the car on fire. And of course, then the car blows up. Yeah. So Vicky's dead. She got and blowed John's up. dead. She yeah. got blowed up real good. She got blowed up real good. But I think that's the only female that died. Yeah. Oh, oh a couple things we forgot. 
earlier in the film when uh the neighbor is brings Martha back to the house, giving her a ride back to the house mm-hmm. after the funeral. Martha says that she's due in spring in the spring. She's pregnant. Yeah. And she, of course the neighbor is real happy for her and she says, I hope it's a girl. Boys are so much trouble. Yeah. And then a little later on, after their her friends are there, Vicky and Lana, Lisa Hartman's character. Faith, right? Faith mm-hmm. is her name. Comes to visit. F A I T H, like in believe. Yeah. So she says her name is. She's a little slow or a little, a little immature for her age. Uh, hell of an artist, though. Mm-hmm. But she brings a basket of eggs from their chickens and is a kind of, you know, offering for the morning. Yeah. That she's in mourning and like, like country folk do. Mm-hmm. And she walks around the house and she's, you know, simple and she's talking her, her head off. And, but you kind of get the feeling that she's kind of, Got a thing for Martha. Yeah. A yeah, little. You do she has get a, that it's feeling. very, very subtle. It is, but you kind of wonder. Not like it would be it's in a movie just, today. Yeah, it's just enough to make you go, huh? huh. I thought she was interested <laughs> in the dude. Well, maybe she's transferring it to her now. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the only neighbor around. You know, right. that's not a yeah. Borg night. True. So, anyhow, that was um, yeah. prior to the car situation with Vicky. So then it goes back to the house and. Lana is there with Martha, and um, I can't remember what triggers Martha to freak out, but Lana's telling her something about not being scared, or you're just scared, or something, and Martha's like, I'm not scared, and she, for some reason, gets up and storms into her bedroom, and when she does, this thing falls down from the door it's like a scarecrow looking oh thing. yeah that's right yeah yeah. but yeah. it's dressed like her husband well like a hittite more yeah really but it's got a flower on it yeah and it's the same flower that was on her husband's grave yeah so it makes her think of her husband for some reason yeah like immediately like it's from the she grave makes some kind of connection yeah so she goes to the graveside yeah and the the grave is dug up and and the coffin's open and empty no, not oh, empty. Oh, no, no, it's not, it's it's not open It's full of yet. chickens. Yeah, she goes down there and opens the coffin lid, and chickens, a bunch of chickens come out of it for some yeah, reason. Yeah, it was really weird. So she gets up, and of course, as soon as she sees all the chickens, she thinks of Faith. Eggs, chickens. I guess that was yeah. the connection, but that's how she put it together. So then she goes over to the neighbor's house looking for Faith, and Faith, I guess, paints in the barn. So she went to... Face barn and she sees all these these portraits and paintings yeah. done of her house and there's one that's like a uh, american gothic type portrait of but martha it's a, it's a wedding portrait it is but it almost looks more like yeah. american gothic of, of martha and her husband yeah. but the husband's face is blacked out yeah and there she has the photograph that she that she took from martha's house yeah. of martha and uh jim and so she turns around, and there is Jim. His corpse. His corpse just standing there. Scarecrowed. With his hands forward like Frankenstein's yeah. monster. Yeah, held up dead. by ropes and stuff, yeah. just laying there, kind of. And, and, of course, she freaks so, out and runs out. Right, she runs out, and then she runs toward the house, toward her neighbor's house. And as she's getting towards the house, she sees Melissa, who is still in her little crazy-eye trance, looking for yeah. John. But she doesn't have a knife anymore. She's just holding her hands out towards the house, saying she's essentially performing that exorcism. Yeah. Telling the demon to come forth and 
and say its name, blah, blah, blah. So at this point, you're like, uh, who is it? Who is the... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm not sure now. You're like, what the hell's going on? I'm so yeah. confused. <laughs> so she does this, this exorcism and she stops. And she's still standing there with her hands out. And Martha's just kind of looking at her like, what the hell's going on? She doesn't say anything. But then she starts, the, Melissa starts chanting this thing again. And then the mom, whose name, Louisa, maybe? Louise? Something like that. Something yeah. like that. She comes out, the one who had said, I Faith's hope it's mom, a... mom, yeah. Yeah, Faith's mom, who says, I hope it's a girl. Boys are nothing but trouble. Comes out and immediately attacks Melissa and, like, looks like she's trying to strangle her or break her neck or something. Yeah. And Martha screams at her, like, Louisa. And she looks up and she stops, like, oh, I've been caught. <laughs> what shall I do? And so then Martha, I think Louisa starts to talk to her or mm -hmm. something, but Martha knows she's in yeah. trouble. So she just hauls ass. She starts she heading bolts, home. Yeah. Yeah. So she runs into the house. No, 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 no. She doesn't get home? No. Faith jumps her. Oh, that's right. Faith jumps Faith her. Faith tackles her and then they start <laughs> wrestling around and she, I don't know if she, Martha hits her. She rolls over and somehow she's on, Faith's shirt has come open. And at first you're like, Lisa Hartman, topless, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. And her shirt comes open. She's completely flat chested, has hair on her chest like a dude. Yeah. And you're like, oh, she's a dude the whole time. That's why she's a weird, because she was born. You're thinking, her mom says, boys are nothing but trouble. Yeah. Hope she had a girl. So she raised her son as a daughter. Yeah. Is what you're thinking. And kept her as a as a little girl basically yeah, try to yeah, keep yeah. her as a little girl but it was a boy right and so that's why you know it's kind of messed up yeah um because the mom's messed up and crazy right and so martha gets off hits her with a rock or something, something yeah and, and then goes to her the and, house. yeah and runs to the house and sharon stones there and she's like get the gun and she gets the gun and they're hiding behind the, the couch and the door's locked off so a shotgun blast comes through the door yeah and she starts firing through the door and uh so this is where things get a little weird. Yeah. So then it gets Faith, a little weird. Okay, things are already weird. But so Faith starts coming through a window. Jumps through or a the door. window. On. Yes. But as she's coming through the window, she gets shot in the chest. Yeah. By Martha with the gun. Yeah. So she falls out of the window. And yeah. then, then the, the mom, mom comes, in, comes in the door. And. And they tussle. She loses her pistol. of uh, Martha. Martha uh, drops a gun and. Sharon Stone, I don't know if she gets knocked down or is just hiding in the corner. But the mom and Martha, Martha end up in the bedroom tussling around. Mm -hmm. I guess she drops a shotgun. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. And she's about to be uh, get Marin Jensen. Oh, the, she beat her with a table leg. Yeah, that's right. And all right. of a sudden she gets shot in the back. Sharon Stone picked up the gun. Right. Sharon Stone picked up the gun and shot mom in the yeah, back. So the mom's down. So they go so back into the living yeah. room and they're like... Oh, Oh, geez. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then Lisa Hartman jumps back up and tries to get him. She's not dead yet. Yeah, Faith ain't quite dead yet. And uh, she shoot her again? I can't remember. No, 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 no. Melissa. Yeah. All of a sudden, Lisa Hartman <laughs> is about to kill them, and all of a sudden, a knife comes through her back, and she falls down. And it's Melissa. She found her knife. Yeah, Melissa's found her knife. And she walked over there. And come to the house, and now and, she's killed. And you're Faith. like, who the hell is the killer here? <laughs> What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> so, okay, so now mom's down. Faith has been killed twice. 
And doesn't Isaiah come in at that point and calm Melissa down? Yes. And, and then Melissa is holding the knife after she's killed Faith. And it yeah. looks like she's going after Martha now, too. Yeah. And as soon as she goes after Martha, then the door opens and Isaiah's there. And he's like, Melissa, the incubus is gone. You, yeah. You got it or something like that. And so then she she kind of comes out of her trance. It's not really a trance, but you can tell yeah. her eyes change. And so she's okay. So then it kind of flashes to the police are taking care of the bodies and resolution resolution and i'm sorry we forgot to say there was a a point in between the tussle with martha and faith and the part that where she gets to the house where the mom picks up faith from the ground and starts talking to her and saying that Mm. she martha was making fun of you martha was laughing at you she'll just never understand your half and half nature so apparently martha or excuse me faith was actually a hermaphrodite yeah she had both because she says you have both parts or yeah. something like that. She so it comes out and tells you that. Yeah. yeah, it actually comes out and it's very clear. But she raised her as a little girl because boys are trouble. Because boys are trouble. That's right. So anyhow, police go away. Um, Lana decides she's going back to the city, wants Martha to come with her. Martha says no. She's planted the seeds. The seeds. Yes, yeah. the seeds have been planted. I'm staying. Yeah. And so she goes back in the door or into the house after everybody's gone. And, and you're like, oh, story's the, over. Yeah, story's she over. She shuts the door. She's in her farmhouse. She's walking across the floor. And everything goes dark. Like, it just goes dark. Yeah, pitch and, black. And you're like, what the hell? The movie's over. You yeah. Know? And then she sees the corpse of her husband. The ghost. It's the, a ghost. Well, you don't know quite yet. Well, you can tell it's a ghost. You can see through it. I know he faded away, but I don't know if you could see through it right yeah, at first. I don't remember. Okay. Anyway, so this apparition of her husband with a bloody chest comes walking up and says, what is he? he says, beware he the says, incubus. He says, beware the incubus. And then he fades away. And as soon as he fades away, the floorboards, the floorboards erupt. erupt. And then it's like hell under there. It's all red, red and fiery. Smoke, and this and demon smoke. comes up behind her, yeah. grabs, grabs her, her, bear hugs her, down. and slides down and the floorboards all fold back together and everything's normal. Like nothing happened. The lights come back up and the credits roll. And that's the end. <laughs> and at that point, I look stunned. Yeah. Because... Nowhere in any part of the movie other than at the very beginning where they think, is it supernatural? The tractor? The whole rest of the movie, there's nothing alluding to there's any supernatural presence at all to the audience. The the subplot with other the spiders. Other than the very beginning and the dreams and stuff. Yeah. But Sharon but you Stone's. you think that it's Sharon Stone's That's thing. her own psychosis because it doesn't yeah. play into any other part of the story. But the... There's no significance of spiders anywhere else no, in the story. There isn't. And I would just like to point out, as far as I am aware, now I'm not an expert, but I do know a bit about, about you know, monsters, etc. Mm-hmm. There is no correlation between spiders and incubus. Or the devil. Or the, I go figure. Yeah. I don't know. It's like this just came out. And it's like at the last minute they said, hey, you know what would be cool? Yeah. Well, Rob, actually, before the incubus jumps up out of the thing, Rob looked at me and said, and then a giant spider. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the thing is, you could take her spider dreams out of the movie and you could take that ending out of the movie. And it would be it'd yeah, be solid. You're right. It would. it would take nothing away. And actually, I come to find out the British release of the movie. Uh huh. They cut that end. Did they? It ended. It ended with her just going into Uh the house and it's over. Yeah. Huh. It makes more sense. It does. The whole incubus thing is so weird. 
Well, because, you know, they do say without or throughout the movie something about the incubus messenger of the incubus. Like they keep calling her an incubus, but then they say messenger of the incubus yeah. over and over as if it's not really the incubus, but somebody, I don't know, coming before. I don't, it's very, very weird. I yeah. don't know. Anyway, we spent a long time going through the plot, but I mean, it was yeah. necessary to say how just weird. Yeah, to get to this messed up ending. Now, overall, the movie, it's shot well. Yeah. Uh, it's it not shot as good as some of his other stuff. No, but it's not inept at all. It's very, it's very well shot. It's some sort of it kind of felt like a TV movie. The, though. Well, the whole thing it yeah. felt like a TV movie, except for the nudity bits. Yeah, it's paced like that. It, it you know, yeah, it unfolds like a TV movie. Yeah, there are even the points of it where I felt like there should have been commercials inserted. Yeah, it, yeah. it really did. Yeah. yeah. Now this this comes out as far as Wes Craven goes. This is like, like I said, his his third or fourth movie, uh, a theatrical movie. It's like his third because it was Last House, mm-hmm. and Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. and then this Deadly Blessing. Okay, and after this, he did Swamp Thing, which oh. I had forgotten that he did Swamp Thing before Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not super familiar with the order of things, so yeah. Yeah, because he did Swamp Thing, and then Hills Have Eyes two and Nightmare on Elm Street both came out in '84. Okay. I believe it was 84. Wow. All right. So this is his his bridge movie, kind of, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. From what I remember, I did enjoy Hills Have Eyes. Did we do a podcast on that? I think we did. I think we did. Yeah. Uh, and of course, I love Last House on the Left. And yeah, Swamp Thing is a lot of fun. And of course, Nightmare on Elm Street. When it came out, it was not really groundbreaking, but it was something really different. Yeah. You know? Now, speaking of movie, other movies... The whole uh, girl is a boy, hermaphrodite mm-hmm. thing. This was two years before Sleepaway Camp. Oh, was it? I think for sleep- some reason yeah. I thought Sleepaway was first. Yeah, well, everybody does because it's it's got the the shocker where you yeah. actually see it. Oh, true. At the end, yeah, it's a and a shocker ending. But uh, this was eighty one, and I think Sleepaway Camp was eighty three, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Wow. Okay. But here's here's another reason why you don't you know Sleepaway Camp, but you don't know this one mm-hmm. as much. This came out in eighty one. Now other movies that came out in eighty one, mm-hmm. other horror movies, Halloween two, mm-hmm. Scanners, mm-hmm. Uh, My Bloody Valentine, mm-hmm. little movie called Evil Dead, <laughs> The Howling, mm. American Werewolf in London, Wow, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, uh, The Fun House. <laughs> Uh, and Monster Club, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you, you see those those heavy hitters of of you know horror movies. Yeah, that's a lot to compete from with. Eighty one, and this came out and just kind of came out and went. Nobody really paid yeah. much attention to it. Well, but I mean, if you look it, at those other makes movies, sense that, yeah, because those those are there's a great lot going movies. on in those movies. Yeah, yeah, and they're very concise stories. Mm-hmm. They're easy to follow. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad or a good thing. It's just it's very you know those are great movies. And this one, I'm not saying it's great or it's not great. I'm just saying there's a lot of convoluted information yeah. in here. Yeah. Well, like I said, if you take it, you really need to take out the spider thing. Yeah. Because her night, well, her nightmares. I totally agree. The stuff in the barn <laughs> is fine. Her running the spider webs and freaking out because yeah. that's natural. Yeah. For people. Sure. But the nightmares, it has, it really doesn't play, and except for the figure of death. Yeah. And then she, the cloaked figure yeah. in the barn and the cloaked figure pouring the gas. That's the only relation. But the emphasis is on the spiders and her nightmares. And it it hurts the story, I think. It kind of brings it to a dead stop because you're wondering 
what does this have to do with anything else? And it never so, comes about. It was a bad choice by the director. By the writers. Well, the and director. Because director, they were the let same. Let it in there, yeah. Well, I don't understand why it would be there then. That's what I'm saying. It makes no sense. I don't know. If you take, if you take her nightmares out, the story flows just as smooth as anything. There's but no... there's still an incubus at the end of the movie. Well, that could be taken out too. So you're still taking out a bunch of crap from no. the movie. You're taking out three seconds at the end of the movie and her nightmares, which is just a not even a minute long, probably each bit. Yeah, I suppose. Gosh, it's just weird. Yeah. But regardless, you haven't taken it out. It's part of the movie. It yeah. exists as it well, is. You, and, so, yeah, you could leave in the, the devil coming up through the floorboards at the end because that makes you go, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and that's kind of funny. But the spider nightmares, that I, that does bother me because it just, it it doesn't need to be there at all. You know, it's like padding. It, it serves... For me watching the movie, it served no purpose to the story whatsoever. Well, I agree with that. I'm just... It doesn't connect to anything. I need it to make sense. Hence where I'm trying to come up with something to make it make sense. And I've got nothing. No. I, I don't know how to make it make sense. No. Oh, oh, one thing I forgot I forgot to mention. What's that? When Jeff East goes to meet Susan Buckner at the movies, mm -hmm. the movie that's playing is um, on the marquee is, what is it? Summer of Fear, mm. which was a TV movie. That Jeff East was in that Wes Craven directed oh. the year before. <laughs> okay. Neat little nod. Yeah. So that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I love when directors do It's like when John Landis, every movie he directs, somewhere there's a movie poster or a movie marquee that says, see you next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> we just saw one last night. Yeah, didn't we, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, me. Well, I don't know. I am baffled. Other than that. It's not a bad little movie. It's worth a watch. Um, well, I mean, if nothing else, you people need to watch it and then come tell me what the hell was happening. Because <laughs> I need to understand why all that stuff was in yeah. there. Because I, either I'm just stupid and I never thought of myself as a stupid person or there's something way above my uh, <laughs> my mental capacity. No, I, think, I don't know. I think it was just there. It sounded good when they were writing it, but it just didn't come off on the screen well. Well, I just, I hate when stuff like this is in films because then I, I really feel like there was something in the story that they were trying to portray. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying, but it didn't work. It did and not. And that's why they do director's cuts of films. They go back and they're like, okay, this is coming out. We're putting this back in because this, it was a misstep we made. Clearly. At the time it seemed right, but it doesn't work now or yeah. it didn't work. But after it was released, but we couldn't do anything then. Right. So they make the director's cut and they fix it. And sometimes it makes it better. Sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it might make it better. <laughs> well, one could hope. But In hey, any case. You know, all right. I mean, look, you've got Ernest Borgnine on screen and that's always a joy. Yeah. So that's worth watching. Alone. Maybe we needed more Borgnine. That would have helped. Maybe that was the I problem. I mean, this is no Devil's Reign. No. You know. I, you can't compete with Devil's no. Reign. Come on. No. Borgnine and big, you know, goat devil makeup. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was one thing. But the symbol that there's one scene that we didn't talk about that doesn't really matter where they're in, in, in their church, I guess. Yeah. And behind him, behind the pulpit is this giant yeah, plus sign. Anyway, it's a cross. It's made up of triangles that form a cross. But if you pull out, it also forms a star. 
So it's really, it was kind of cool. It I like this a, symbol. It could be a five-point star. It could be a six-point star. It could be a cross. It was way more than it's, a five or six-point star. I know. Star. All these different yeah. points put into this one symbol. Yeah, so if you take, yeah. If you look at it from a certain angle or pull different pieces. You yeah, know, it was it was pretty neat. neat it was symbol. like a big tangos game. <laughs> yeah, a big tangos game. That's exactly <laughs> what it looked like. Anyway, that was just, it was neat. I, I would like to look at that symbol just yeah, well, to see That shows up on the outside there. of one of the barns, too, Does when they're it? driving in. Yeah. One of the girls kind of sees it out the window. I was like, hmm. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I liked it. So we watched it on on Tubi mm-hmm. uh, for free, of course. Yeah, <laughs> but and, it, and Tubi, I'm sure we've said before, does have commercials, but they're very few. Yeah, um, it's commercials, but it's it's unedited. Yeah, but oh, it is available on uh, Blu-ray as a collector's edition and just a regular Blu-ray. The collector's edition is cheaper though. Oh, you can get it for like sixteen bucks. Is it a director's cut? No. <laughs> It's collector's edition. I guess it's uh, Prime Video. I guess you can watch it on that. But yeah, so it's easy to get. It's yeah. easy to see. And, you know, go ahead and check it out and, you know, decide for yourself. Please do. And then come talk to us about it on uh, Facebook. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very curious what other people think. I mean, maybe, a... maybe you have more insight into what the hell was yeah. going on than Except for those few things that, you know, made us go, what? Other than that, it's all right. It's got a few decent jump scares. Yeah, there are a couple. And it does kind of keep you guessing who the hell is a killer. Yeah, it what definitely the hell is does it? So that. it works with that. And there's on that level. there's some neat shots. The music is good, as we uh-huh. already said. The oh, acting yeah. is is great. I mean, there's no. I mean, I'm not great, but the acting's fine. There's yeah. nothing bothersome by it. Yeah, I the mean, most, it's, it's a it's a good film. Aside from Borgnine, the most natural acting wise seemed between Susan Buckner and Jeff East. To yeah, me. I agree. Their interaction. Yeah, just very, very normal, casual and casual. natural. Yeah. Sarah Stone, she's still trying to get her chops. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. Marin Jensen was, you know, that was Marin Jensen. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So give it a watch and see what you think. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. That's about all I got for that. I think so. We have one thing left to do. Yes, we do. We have to prove that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes. Because the world does indeed revolve around Planet of the Apes. And Phyllis is going to give me somebody from this movie. And just like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game, which we discovered years before the Kevin Bacon game, that you can connect anything back to the original Planet of the Apes. That's right. So I think for this, why don't we go with Jeff East? Because I liked him. Okay, Jeff East. Jeff East mm-hmm. was in... The, I think mean, it was 74, Tom Sawyer. He played Huckleberry Finn. Okay. As a kid. Warren Oates was in Tom Sawyer. Okay. Warren Oates was in Major Dundee with Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was pretty quick, but mostly with stuff I probably have not seen. <laughs> but that's okay. You still got there, there you very go. quickly. The world does revolve around the original Planet of the Apes. So go watch all the Planet of the Apes movies. After you watch this. And Deadly Blessing. Indeed. I guess that's about it. (laughs) That's about all I got. So until next time, thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Good night. Those who will not believe. They'll be damned in hell.